Hi, and welcome to the Pleasure for Health podcast, the space where we talk about topics related to intimacy, relationships, desire, and of course, pleasure. I'm your host, Ailsa Kepi, a somatic sex educator, therapist, and a lifelong student of the body-mind-spirit connection. You can find out more about me and my programs and services on my website, www.pleasureforhealth.com. Now, on to today's show. Hello and welcome to this week's episode. So uh, I'm here with my partner Declan and we're talking today about something that could either be about you and your body or it could be about you and your partner uh, or it could be about you and somebody else in your life. And I'm talking about this because there's all of these relationships actually which are very similar and I want to talk today about something that can happen in any of these relationships whether it's with our own body whether it's with our intimate partner whether it's with our mom or dad or one of our kids or our best friend really any relationship can have this um, possibility for ignorance in the relationship and what happens I notice Um, with people and their bodies, which kind of brought my attention to this in the first place, was that many people will uh, assume that their body is healthy, they have no aches and pains, that, you know, their body carries them around in this uh, uh, lovely state of blissful ignorance for many years. And then what happens sometimes is all of a sudden, you know, or what seems like all of a sudden, they have this crippling pain or this illness that just seemed to come out of nowhere. And they're left with this feeling of betrayal. Like, what the hell happened that my body is suddenly acting like this? It never was a problem before. I didn't have any issue with it before. Why am I suddenly almost, you know, struck down by this pain or or illness? And, you know, when I was dealing with uh, patients having this issue of relationship with their body and you know we we would delve into well were there signs that were uh, uh, coming up before were you disconnected from your body all these years did you give your body any the time of day did you ask it how it was did you you know do all of these things that would be required in a good loving relationship or did you just kind of ignore your body until it gave out and you know I I I like to think that, you know, in this lesson that we have, the opportunity of a lesson to that with our own body, that it can teach us something about relationships with other people. And in this case, you know, sometimes this happens in a in an intimate relationship or a friendship, it just seems like things are ticking along, okay, and you forget to put time and effort and, and, um, you know, attention on your relationship. And before you know it, your partner's turning around, sleeping with someone else or asking for a divorce or, you know, you just feel like you've grown apart. So, you know, I just wanted to kind of contrast this and and, uh, let's see what we can learn together from this type of, you know, what I call this ignorance betrayal kind of duo that that leads to uh, relationships breaking down where they wouldn't necessarily have to. So uh, uh, Declan, you know, does this ring a bell of truth to you? Do you see a pattern in, in from your experience in this kind of thing? Or do you perhaps have a different uh, viewpoint? 
Yes, what I feel like uh, is relevant here is, uh, you know, complacency. I think what happens a lot of the times in our lives is that, you know, we become complacent, you know, you know wherever we are. And sometimes even with, uh, you know, an unfavorable situation, you know, we just become complacent and then we somehow enjoy the, the unfavorableness of, of it. Learn to recognize that as the norm, or, or something like that, and then the complacency becomes the norm, the normal uh, procedure, and it has sometimes has this, you know, underlying, or we we get ourselves into this low level uh, stress response where we're not like our lives aren't in danger, you know, acutely, but we're on alert like it's like a high alert but it's like a under the radar kind of a high alert and we chug along in, with in the uh, you know hmm. sympathetic nervous system response on a low level so it's we're kind of not really recognizing it but there's no time for the rest and digest you know response yeah, it sounds like uh, you're speaking from experience, and I'm curious about the high alert, under the radar kind of feeling. Um, do you feel like that's something that happens um, because we're being complacent or because we're resisting doing the kind of work that it would take to have a, that good relationship? Yeah, I think that's right. And then what, you know, one thing leads to the other, and you know, which came first kind of a thing. So it's, it's kind of a yes, yes, and, and a both and kind of a scenario, and, and it's hard to pinpoint it. And I noticed in my experience in the workplace is like we, we tend to, um, yeah, like I said, become complacent, and then that becomes the new norm, and then you just chug along, chug along, chug along, and you have a certain task to do, and you, you're, you're highly productive, until that task gets completed and then there's a crash or then there's a like oh I can't believe I'm finished and you you know you you can't move for three days because you're so tired or whatever and but often that period of of like high alert can go on for many years you know we don't really ever take the time to rest adequately yes you know in this modern world we have the five-day work week, sometimes six-day work week, and, you know, for those people that, some of those people that are self-employed, it's a seven-day work week, there's no days off, and you're constantly, constantly working, 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 trying to generate interest or income or whatever it is, and there's no time, there's no time to um, reflect or relax and to, to give your body that rest that it needs. Yeah, a couple of things, um, you know, strike me about what you're saying. There's so many, so many interesting pieces. I, uh, I need to take notes. But uh, I was noticing that the the rest, you know, many people would say, well, you know, we do get time to rest, so to speak. But how many people are actually using that time for any kind of integration? You know, do we just numb out? So do we go ignore our real feelings work 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 really hard maybe ignore our body or our relationship with our body and all of a sudden 
you know, um, at the end of the day, when we think we're resting, we're not really resting. So I was wondering if you could elaborate on, you know, how you see that resting, because I have a feeling that you, you have a probably some insight into that. Yeah, you know, you know, obviously sleep is important. The sleep is where we get our, our regenerate our oxygen, regen, we oxygenate our blood and re our internal organs get uh, time to recuperate, you know, all this kind of thing. And uh, yeah, the sleep is very important. And, and a lot of us these days are spending a, a good portion of, of every day in front of a screen and the screens are can can you know be detrimental and can disrupt that those rhythms. So I think that's important to have some some you know downtime for an hour or two or longer if, if you can before you actually you know lay your head down at night. And I know according to my research, a regular, a consistent bedtime is is a good thing, and a, and a regular consistent uh, wake up time is a good thing. Our bodies like rhythm. in the morning you know early in the morning before the busyness of the day sets in that way it's kind of you know taken care of and uh, that that's important and it help it does help you know I think you know I, I agree and I think if we're speaking to people that already realize the importance of good health routines and I'm not um, you know you're preaching to the choir but you know how so let's go back to these people that are just taken unawares um, by pain or, or, or disease or let's say relationship breakdown if we go that route I mean how, how do we get through to those people or is it even possible you know they're gonna just say well I'm getting enough sleep or I'm doing fine mm -hmm. so in that I think in that case um, in those situations it's like yeah they're doing fine right they think they're doing fine and you know they may be in in some ways they may be doing really fine um, uh, but in other ways so it's the body it's the body talking to them it's like you know rest rest this acute whatever this acute situation that comes up you know a pain in the side or a failed relationship or you know whatever whatever the case may be that, that causes you to switch your awareness or change your focus it's the body talking to you it's the body trying to get its message across it's like no pay attention to me pay attention to, to yourself you need to change what you're doing what you're doing is not working so and that can also be a difficult concept for some people to wrap their heads around so how do you get through with them uh, I don't know it's not easy in some cases yeah, well, I mean, again, uh, it's, uh, you know, it can come as a surprise and maybe, like you're saying, the, the opportunity that arises out of some crisis, health crisis or relationship crisis, uh, would be that the idea that we could change what we're doing and listen to ourselves more. Um, you know, of course, not everyone gets that on the first go-round and, and many people have gone very far down the many crises one after another before they really listen to their body um, in this way uh, you know it's 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 a it's an interesting case to help people to become somatically aware um, and even relationally aware of when 
you know, when do you need to put the time in to this relationship? And, you know, the answer I think you would probably, you know, say, and, and many people would as well from the beginning, but like, let's just say, you know, in your relationship, it all goes hunky-dory, you both go out to work, you have a couple kids, you're just, you know, you're, you're motoring along fine, as you said, and you're getting something done. And then, you know, the kids leave home or one of you gets sick and all of a sudden, boom, things change. You know, it's all very well to say, well, change and spend the time on your relationship at the beginning. But people just don't see that. Uh, you know, is it even possible to to get across in a larger way that these types of relationships need to be built from the ground up? I mean, what about? Uh, introducing you know kids to these types of exercises of self-awareness and uh, you know and even relationships at a young age uh, do you think that would shift things or do you think there's a overall wisdom in the fact that we have to sometimes be smacked across the head before we wake up yeah I think it can be learned and uh, you know in the family unit and in the cultural um, you know, the cultural norms. So there's all these little subsections of life, you know, and your own thing. But of course, our, the, the things that we learn early in life are, are going to be, going to have a major influence on how, how we react in, in, in future, in early adulthood and later adulthood and all that kind of thing. So as far as the topic of, of uh, you know, betrayal, and I think that it's it's um, the 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 self be gets betrayed first before you're betrayed by another, mm-hmm. or a, or a perceived betrayal by another. I I honestly feel like you betrayed yourself first before anything can happen externally. It happens internally first. It's like that old saying goes. It's like you know. Everything that manifests manifests first in the spiritual realm mm-hmm. before it manifests in this physical world. So I think that that holds true, also. Yeah, I think that's an important. I would agree with you, and I'm glad you brought that up. In that, um, you know, quite often we have, you know, when some when we are experiencing a betrayal or an ignoring or a, you know a, a lack of interest or whatever from other people in the you know in our world that often if we look at our own self we have actually done that to ourselves first like you said do you think i mean i just want to bring in the other side of this too because it's easy to just become this like self-blaming thing like oh if something happens to us you know if we have a pain or we get ill or our relationship breaks down it's somehow our fault like do you think there's ever an opportunity the um the other side of the coin that that things just happen what I, I i almost heard you say opportunity and i was gonna that was the word that came to my mind and rather than using the term self-blame you could use the word opportunity i feel it, it would be more uh, beneficial and like a positive uh, influence positive reinforcement in a way because there's no blame there's no there's no wrong there's nothing broken you know there's nothing fixed there's just something to there's opportunity to be taken or ignored or or moved on move on to the next opportunity 
So if the relationship fails or I get it a, 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 an all of a sudden pain in my side out of the blue or pain in my back or pain in my foot, whatever it is, then this is an opportunity. If I can't for some reason walk because of this pain in my foot, I can't walk, well, what can I do to work on my situation to benefit from my situation while sitting or lying down or whatever? So rather than woe is me, I can't walk, you know, what can I do to benefit my situation? Yeah, that's a beautiful, um, a beautiful counter argument against being in the victim place. And, you know, given our recent and current uh, world affairs, I would say that's very relevant. You know, if you are given an opportunity, anything that we're given is an opportunity. And if we see it as an opportunity rather than a, uh, a restriction or a, a betrayal, so changing, changing the way that we look at what happens to us or within us seems like a seems like a good idea um i know for myself you know you know we've been working on these types of things for years and it still can be very difficult uh especially when when we have become really attached to our particular thing in our own self um you know if we've always had good health and we've uh become attached to that um you know often the opportunity if we want to call it that or the betrayal or or you know the crisis that arises if it challenges something that we've we've really become attached to as part of ourselves this can be extremely difficult to let go of although i still agree with your your sense that that is the that is the opportunity however it becomes really difficult and and do you have any uh kind of words of wisdom as to you know could we could we recognize this ahead of time or are we just kind of bound by our circumstances to have these things pointed out to us given these opportunities as we move through life because exactly because we get attached through you know just through the sake of being human we become attached to things that we have certain privileges in our life you know, is there a way to, to, you know, um, catch these early or are we just kind of, uh, as human beings, we're going to come up against these, these crises, uh, you know, in our life? Yeah, maybe that's the, the ongoing, uh, question that a lot of people have is, yes, it's, maybe it's not so you know, black and white, and we all have varying degrees of understanding. And I do feel like increasing your uh, uh, self-awareness through a practice, whatever, whatever that practice is, you know, some sort of, you know, somatic engagement with yourself is, is, uh, is critical, is crucial to the equation. And, you know, it's like one of my teachers once said, he drew a little simple little stick diagram on the wall of a little, just a simple hilltop, you know, a curved line of a hilltop and then a stick figure of a, pushing a, a, a ball up on top of the hill. And the hill was, you know, rounded, but quite, you know, small, pointed in, in a way, but a rounded curve. And it's like, you know, getting that ball up on top of the hill is mastery. Mm. And 
keeping that ball on top of that hill is more, much more difficult than getting the ball up on top of the hill. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, that, yeah, it's interesting. I, I was just thinking that many people, uh, you know, go through their victim stage as they're trying to get the ball up the hill or, you know, they're trying to overcome whatever uh, opportunity has arisen in their life. And, uh, you know, we can get down on ourselves if a couple years later or whatever, we end up with another opportunity or another crisis. It's like, have we done any work at all? And how do we, you know, we've done this once before, you know, somebody, for instance, has cancer and a couple years later, they've got cancer again. And you kind of wonder like, wow, how does this person, you know, go through, you know, as you said, pushing the ball up the hill again? And again and again and maybe that is just life itself mm -hmm. it's like yeah mastery seems like it's something that, that that's a worthy goal you know what, whatever uh, task or activity it is that you want to put your time into um, but I, I feel like it's you know it's not really uh, a destination it's it's like it's something that you become, and that becoming is constant, constantly changing. Hmm. So, you know, relationship with self is not uh, something that you do your four-week class and you're good for the rest exactly. of your life. Exactly. It's like, yeah, this constant flux, this constant... You're dashing my hopes here, Declan. Change. <laughs> this ongoing, like, dealing with, you know, whatever it is. That's, you know, and like, as the mystics say, you know, you, whatever it is that you put out is, is what is coming back at you, the principle of resonance, you know. Do you think, like, speaking of that principle, do you think that because we believe it's an ongoing practice that it then becomes that? Or do you think that's a, a universal truth? I mean, if we believed we could have mastery after a four-week course, why can't we? I mean, that would be the question of this generation of, you know, why can't we have it all? I believe that it's possible. There's, there has to be some sort of, you know, time and effort put into whatever it is that's, that's being worked on. And yes, you could potentially, you know, if we relate it to music, you could definitely put in some time to the guitar and become quite proficient at playing guitar. Let's say you spent your, your four weeks mastering the guitar. It's unlikely, in my experience, you know, unless you've already mastered other instruments, you know, and then it's more likely, I, I feel. But if it's your first instrument, it's unlikely that it would happen in four weeks, but not, not impossible, I, I think. And... Uh, if you put that that instrument down for a time and come back to it, it's unlikely that you're going to be at the same place that you put it down. You're going to probably have to go back a few steps and, and relearn some things or polish it up, as it were, or something like that. So it it's, just depends on where you put your your time and your energy and your focus, you know, your awareness. Mm-hmm. I'm sure a lot of people out there may be asking this question too. And, you know, um, we have so many focuses in our lives these days that we can't possibly 
keep all of them up to that level of mastery. Do you think that having one one path that you do uh, keep up a constant practice with will influence those other interests and pursuits that you have? Or do you feel that it would, you know, can you be a, you know, jack of all trades, master of none, or would, is that what happens? Or can we be a master of something which spills out into the rest of our life, perhaps? Yeah, I believe that that, that could happen, because the individuals that I know that, that the, the masters that I've been in contact with are, they, they seem to be proficient in, in a few arenas, you know, so I, I think that that's relevant. And I remember one thing that one of my early martial arts teachers said to me is that, you know what, for, for mastery to, you know, happen or for somebody to possess this kind of mastery, a lot of things have to be in place for that to happen. You know, the individual has to have, most likely, not necessarily, but most likely really good mentors in early life. You know, a, a, a healthy body. You know, you know, good food to eat, blah, 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 these kind of things. And um, he listed some, some things off, and that's, of course, there's always exceptions, and that's, I'm not saying that, that that's a rule, but it is the chances are because we've heard stories especially in the in the tai chi and the qigong circles is that a lot of the times these these masters were sickly in youth or were sickly at a time in their lives and they use this as oh i gotta oh this isn't working that isn't working but oh somebody said this might work well i'm gonna try this this qigong this these energy exercises because somebody said it would work and nothing else has so they do the thing, and, and then over a period of time, they become strong again. They become strong, and their illness miraculously, you know, their sickly um, nature or their sickly uh, situation dissipates, and they become well through this practice. But there was time and effort put into that practice. Yeah, and I think that, I mean, this is maybe the topic for a future discussion as well. I've always been intrigued by the, the word mastery, by what that means. And it does seem to me that if you master anything that you put that time and attention into, whatever that thing is, and that time and attention, you just, it becomes a learned thing. So whether you then apply it to your relationship to your body, your relationship to other people in your life, you, you can bring that same kind of attention and effort to those you know it just naturally becomes part of who you are to pay attention um so i've always loved that word mastery and um i think that's that's a a, a valuable thing to think about uh, you know if you want to be uh happy and content and and again not in your victim not feeling ignored betrayed you know duped or what all, all these things to pay attention and take time cultivating a practice with whatever that is and letting that be the way that you deal with everything or as many things as you can in life seems a worthy goal. Uh, you know, I like uh, the image I'm remembering from today is the, the little stick guy pushing the ball up the hill or keeping it at the top of the hill. 
and uh, needing that constant attention. Uh, so for today, I think we've, uh, we've significantly delved into some, some serious stuff and hopefully gives you some food for thought. So we will uh, be catching you on our next episode. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Pleasure for Health podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, please share it with your friends and loved ones. Let's discover and celebrate more pleasure together. Again, my name is Ailsa Kepi, and you can find out more or contact me on my website, www.pleasureforhealth.com. I look forward to sharing another episode with you again very soon. Wishing you a pleasure-filled day.